What an exciting day. Beautiful to see baptisms. I uh, love hearing just little bits of people's story. And when we get to witness people being baptized and come before everybody else, which is a nerve-wracking thing for everyone, and to proclaim that they are following Jesus, it's a reminder for all of us. It's a powerful reminder that God is working, that God continues to transform lives, that God wants to lavish his love and grace and forgiveness upon people, and that all around us, even when we might not notice or we're not looking for it, God is taking people from where they're at, and he is bringing them closer to himself. And that there are people who today, as they got before you, wanted to proclaim that they have chosen to receive all of that and to follow Jesus. And what a beautiful thing, because together as a church, and not just our church, those of us who are meeting here together uh, in Hamilton and Burlington, those who are coming online, but um, the church across the world, it is a reminder that we get to be part of and we get to choose to partner with what God is doing as he builds his kingdom. That is, as, as he brings what Jesus announced, the kingdom of God, which is when God gets what God wants, when the God God of love and grace and forgiveness who gives all of that when we see that being built up in the world through communities of people and the power of God's spirit, the power of love moving all around us is happening. We get to be part of building up that kind of kingdom. There's a couple of verses in 1 Peter and uh, they're talking about, they're talking to a group of people who are having a lot of hardships and people, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, um, these were people who had been spread out uh, all over the place. Many of them had been taken from their homes. They were enduring persecution. They were enduring hardship and suffering and hurt and pain. And um, in First Peter, what is written to them about those who were coming to Christ, and many of them had a Jewish background. And we're talking a little bit in this series about the, the Jewish temple uh, that was being rebuilt in the book of Haggai. This is hundreds of years later in the New Testament, but reframed, it says in First Peter, talking to these people who are now followers of Jesus and enduring hardship. He said, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. He says to these people that there isn't a temple. And in many religions, there would have been temples, not just the Jewish people, but temples where people go to. And hopefully there's uh, the place where they find the presence of God and they're reminded of some of the most important things. And here in First Peter, he says, you are that temple. You, people who are meeting in the presence of Jesus and living in his spirit and, and, and working to become more like Jesus as God empowers you to do that. You are the living temple. You are the pre where the presence of God dwells in your community. You have become stewards. The, the people who mediate the love and the presence of God to the world around you. You are building something by the very fact of who you are and who you are in Christ. What a legacy for us to be part of as the church that we are those living stones. That the way that God is building his kingdom is not just in buildings and, and those physical bricks, but you get to be a brick and I get to be a brick. And together we get to build up uh, this place, this community which is living in the presence of God. And so this morning, we've had a really great reminder of what that can look like as people uh, receive uh, all that God has given them, these beautiful gifts, and then to say, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that community and part of those who uh, come forward and say, we want to follow Jesus. So today, we want to finish just a quick series we've been talking about, uh, the book of Haggai, which is an Old Testament prophet. And as I said, it is a book where they're talking about the rebuilding of the physical temple in the Old Testament, the, the Jewish temple. Uh, these people had been place. They had been um, through warfare. They'd been defeated and then spread out. They had uh, been taken to a, a foreign 
culture where they couldn't practice their religion the way that they normally had, uh, where they were away from family and friends in their home. And then they had been brought back and part of their task was to rebuild the temple. And we saw last week that there was some hesitance to jump into that kind of big project. And uh, there was a lot of opposition that they were dealing with. There was a, a lot of challenges that would go with it. It was scary. It was hard for them to believe that they could do it. And yet at the end of chapter one in Haggai, we saw that the, there was a remnant of people that then committed to doing that, to believing that it was important to have this, this central place where they would come together and they would worship God. And out of that, that would be how they would live their lives and how they would love each other. And today we want to talk about the second chapter. I just want to put it in context a little bit. Uh, the things that we'll read were promises and we're, we're part of the history of Israel. And most of us would sit here today and go, well, I'm not part of that. And those promises weren't given to me or to my, uh, my people, my nation, my, my ancestors, at least from a, a physical perspective. And yet we, uh, as followers of Jesus, those who have come to follow Jesus, we kind of fit in from what we read uh, there in Second Peter and realize that what God was doing in the people of Israel um, there's, there's a bit of a parallel that God says, hey, I want to do that uh, with my people, uh, that follow, the followers of Jesus today, uh, in a different way. And not to necessarily build us a temple, but instead for him to say uh, that God's presence is with us and we become the temple. We become those uh, who are, are building in God's kingdom as he allows us. And today what I want to do is just realize that we live in a fairly volatile time. We live in a, a, a time and place in life, and maybe everybody's time and place place in life is like this. Uh, but there's just a lot of challenges. There's a lot of discouragement out there. There are a lot of things on the news that are difficult for us uh, to handle or to figure out where do we fit or even just ask how do we respond to some of the, the hurt that is in the world or in our city or all around us, maybe in your family or as an individual. And today what I want to do is look at the second chapter of Haggai, which only has two chapters. And I want to look at four different perspectives that can help us build resilience. And so as we live in uh, a world that can sometimes be a very hard place, how do we build up some strength? as a people together. And in Haggai 2, I see four perspectives that God was uh, urging them or encouraging them to take on to help them look at their lives and how they can build strong. So let me read from Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. It says, then on October 17th of that same year, so this is a few months fast forward from when the people, there was a, a remnant of them, a group of people left and saying, we want to rebuild the temple. A few months later, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. So this is a little bit of repetition there, making sure everybody hears this message. So he talks about the leaders, you have the governor, you have the high priest, and you have the people. All of these people need to be let in on this message. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. So the people have come and, and one day, and there probably would have been some of them, not a ton because a number of years had gone by, decades actually had gone by since exile, but some of them would have been there who would have remembered the former temple. And the former temple was spectacular, it was beautiful, it was luxurious, it had all the bells and whistles, it was amazing. But that temple had been destroyed in the warfare and now they're rebuilding it. And the first thing in this chapter, the, the perspective, is the perspective of back then. He says, hey, if you look at what we're dealing with now, a lot of rubble, we're trying to rebuild it. The hope that it's going to look like it was is probably not real good. Uh, take a look at this and then compare it to its former splendor. How does it look to you? Just compare for a second. And I think it's interesting 
that God doesn't go, hey, just forget about it, whatever, we're doing a new thing. He, he, he invites into the conversation, do you remember what it was like? He's kind of like saying, are any of you discouraged right now because you remember this amazing huge temple that was strong and beautiful and wonderful that we had? And now you look at what we're rebuilding and it's just not the same. And are any of you deflated? Do any of you wish that we could just go back to the way things we were when everything was right and when everything was good and when we looked strong? And of course you can't. So we start with the perspective from back then. We look at back then. And I think the offering for us is to surrender the past, to acknowledge here we can't go back. We're not going to go back to that. It's impossible. That old temple is gone. It was destroyed. The new one's not going to be the same. I think that's true with us in our perspective as well. We need to leave our regrets. We can start over, and it's a beautiful thing. We can bring valuable lessons and good memories with us into the future of our past, but we can't go back. We can't insist that everything will be the same, everything the way it used to be. Change is inevitable in all of our lives, and we must lean into that, not just try and ignore it. So here in the first chapter, the people, they start to get on board with the idea to rebuild the temple, but God addresses them and says, I know some of you, we need to address your discouragement because you're starting to rebuild, and you're going to go, wait, this doesn't look anything like it used to. So do you remember it? How amazing it was. This must seem like a huge letdown for you. We're far from where we used to be. The present and the future don't seem as bright as the past. There's a couple other books in the Old Testament that overlap this time period and the rebuilding of the temple. One of them's in Ezra. And when they get to the end of rebuilding the temple or, or towards the end of it, and they've rebuilt it, but it doesn't look exactly like it was before, there's this passage in Ezra where it says, but many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders, so people who were really involved in the temple, who had seen the first temple. So these were people who had been around. They're now the elders of the community, been around a long time. They maybe remembered from when they were children, the previous temple. It says they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in loud noises that could be heard far in the distance. So here's what's true of change, and here's what's true for all of us as life changes and moves along, and we try and deal with what was in the past, some of it good, some of it bad, and we try and look towards a future that we hope is more hopeful, but it doesn't always seem that way, and maybe we're dis discouraged, is we look at back then, and we need to surrender the past. So here were some people coming together, and as they built the temple, they come together, and some of them, they were crying because hey, this isn't what I'm used to. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not like it was. And others, they built a foundation so they at least got started and they're, they're excited and they're joyful and they're, they're calling out in happiness and those two sounds mingle together in the distance. And I wonder if that's just a great picture for life and how we move forward in so, some ways. That we acknowledge that there are some parts of change and moving forward that are so hard that we need to grieve, that we need to mourn, we need to acknowledge the hurt and that things aren't going to be the same that they were, and yet to embrace the excitement and the joy of something new, something that will be different, something that we need to embrace. So back then, we need to surrender our past, just to know that life doesn't always stay the same that it was, it never will, change is inevitable, but how we receive it and move forward is up to us. There's a mix of emotion in that, and all those emotions are appropriate. And we can bring them to wherever we're at in life. Verse 4, and I love this little transition. So we've been looking at back then, and then it says, but now. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. 
Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people still left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's army. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. So we talked about back then, surrender your past. But now, right now, work instead of worry. You see again this repetition. We see over and over this message is supposed to come to the high priest. It's supposed to come to the governor. It's supposed to come to the people. And the second thing is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You who are leading these people, don't be afraid. You who are the spiritual leaders, don't be afraid. You who are coming back to rebuild something new, don't be afraid. You're discouraged, and I get that. There's oppositions. There's challenges. There's people, enemies that they believed would come against us, that would stop the building, that would take them away from what they were doing. And God's says back then, hey, we got to surrender the past. But now, right now, work instead of worry. Right in the middle of that, be strong, he says, be strong over and over. Don't be afraid. But in verse four, it says, and now get to work. You're looking at this temple and probably it is just so intimidating. How in the world are we going to rebuild this thing? It's going to take us forever. It's going to take so much hard work. It's going to take all of our resources. It's going to be expensive. How are we going to move forward? Be strong and get to work. In other words, what is it that you can do today? What is one thing that the word here, get to work, it can mean simply to make something. Take the resources that you've been given and do something creative with it. Just take one step in working today. Be strong, be strong, be strong. And why can we be strong? It doesn't here just say, hey, because you're strong people, so pull up your bootstraps and do it. Verse 5 says, My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. Why can we be afraid? Why can we, why can we not be afraid? Why can we be courageous? Why can we have strength? And God says, It's because I'm with you, because I'm not leaving you, because I promised that I would be with you, and I'm still going to be with you. So he says repeatedly, Be strong. Then he says, Get to work, make something, build something, do what you can do with the resources that you have. Why? Because my spirit is with you. Zechariah is another prophetic book that overlaps this time of rebuilding. And in that book, uh, God speaks to Zerubbabel again. And uh, as the leader, as he's speaking to him, and as God sees, he's got this big challenge. How are you going to lead these people and do this? How are you going to be strong? He says this, then he said to me, this is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone on the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. It's the same message. He says, be strong. Don't be discouraged. You've only got the, the foundation done. Don't worry. Just keep building because I'm with you. And it's not going to be because you're so strong and it's not because of all your resources. It's not going to be because you're rich. It's going to be because God says, my spirit is with you. And so don't worry about your humble beginnings. Don't worry about small starts. Don't worry about how humble that looks compared to what you hoped it would be one day. Just get to work. One step at a time with the resources that you have. Ask yourself, what could I do with what God has given me to be part of building, in their case, the temple, in our case, 
not a physical temple, but God's kingdom. How could I invest in the lives of young people? Some of them, we heard their stories today as they were getting baptized. And the amazing thing is that there have been people in their family and friends that have walked alongside of them and people in kids' ministry who have been building into them and investing into them because none of us do it alone. Just get to work. Be part of God's kingdom and building it. And by what power will we do anything of significance? It'll be that in all of those things, it's God's spirit strengthening and empowering his kingdom being built in the lives of people all around us. It's a beautiful thing. It comes back and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know there's a lot of challenges. Don't be afraid. I know there, there's things that go wrong all the time. Don't be afraid. I know it seems like the kind of life that you're trying to build for you, for your family. I know it can be a really scary thing to try and raise children and hope that they'll, they'll live a certain way one day. I know that it can be very scary to be part of a church and hope that it looks something, a certain way one day. I know it can be scary in a world where there's so many oppositions and so many challenges and so much things that hurt us. But don't be afraid. My spirit is with you. It's a beautiful poem from Teresa of Avila, one of my favorites, and she writes this, let nothing disturb you, let nothing frighten you, all things are passing away, God never changes, patience obtains all things, whoever has God lacks nothing, God alone is enough. No matter what's happening in this world, in our lives, in our families, if we have God, we have enough, God is enough, his power, his strength. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. Perfect love, perfect love of God casts out fear. So let us work with, instead of worry. Let us figure out how we can do uh, sometimes seemingly small things to help build the kingdom. Now, I want to invite uh, Sue Van Egdom to come on up because one of the things um, that we love to do here at Westside is to partner with people that we believe are doing kingdom things all around us in our city. And uh, you've heard us talk about uh, HATS, which is the Hamilton Association for Tiny Shelters. And we had Sue's husband, Ted, uh, not so long ago, come up and tell, them about, tell us about that a little bit. And um, one of the things we want to do with our Christmas fund that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is to partner with HATS. So Sue uh, calls Westside Home as part of our church family here, also works with HATS. And we've invited her to come up and just share a bit of an update what's happening with HATS and how we can partner together. Good morning. So thanks for that introduction. And um, just as you finished telling us, Jesus is calling us to work and build something. It's that time of year when my family always starts to think of how we will share what we have with those in need in our communities. And I'm sure many of you do that too. My husband Ted and I have been part of this working group towards housing for the homeless in our city called HATS, the Hamilton Alliance of Tiny Shelters. Some of you recall Ted and Jeffrey speaking about their projects um, back in August, Jeffrey speaking about the Gore Park outreach and Ted about HATS. We had hoped that at this time of year, we would be giving you a much different update on the HATS program, that we as a church community would have already spent a few Saturdays swinging hammers and painting walls in order to move a few individuals out of the cold before this winter season, that I would up be up here asking Justine and many other people in our community to bake Christmas cookies to share with our newly housed guests. But sadly, we've encountered a few setbacks and housing for this winter won't be possible. But don't be afraid. We will continue to fight for these people. While we continue to work on securing housing, a housing site and in an effort to begin building relationships with both the in individuals we hope to house and the ones that we 
that aim to support them, we have decided to launch winter care kits. Our goal is to stuff reusable drawstring bags with essential items such as toothbrushes, toothpaste, washcloths, hand warmers, pocket flashlights, blankets, thermoses, socks, etc. While these items may not seem significant to most of us, I can assure you that it will make a world of difference to many of the people that we serve on the streets. For example, our socks. How many, how many of us give our socks a second thought after putting them on in the morning? While volunteering with another um, drop-in shelter in the city, I found that socks are one of the most sought-after items. Often socks are only worn for a day or two before they become wet and cold, and without laundry facilities available to them, they remain wet and cold. And here's another example of the significance of these winter care kits that, that they will have. A few weeks ago, I handed out a blanket to a gentleman that had recently lost his housing. Not a grand gesture on my part by any means. He came back into the center last week still carrying his blanket. I asked him if he was returning it. He replied, no ma'am, I carry it with me always so I can be sure that it isn't stolen and to try and keep it dry. I never know if my home will be gone when I return. Of course, he was referring to his humble tent. It is stories like this that have given me eyes to see and ears to hear how very complex the issue of homelessness is and how difficult it must be to simply get through one day. While thinking of what I wanted to say to you today and the overwhelming emotions that I feel as I recall so many stories like these, I was reminded again of Matthew 25, verse 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So today I'm not asking for Westside to bake Christmas cookies, but for you to come alongside both Gore Park Outreach um, and Jeffrey and the HATS organization to help us fulfill our goals of getting dry socks onto the feet of those in our community that are without, as well as provide much needed funding to help fill the winter care cuts with other essentials and support Jeffrey in providing food to those in need. Thank you, Westside, for your ongoing support of both HATS and the Gore Park Outreach and for being the hands and feet of Jesus to those in desperate need. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. You can take that. Thank you, Sue. What an amazing example. It is not easy. It's not even easy to go and do good, meaningful, and practical things in our city where there are needs. But don't despise the humble beginnings. Don't be afraid of the challenges and the opposition, even though we've heard uh, some of them have been facing as they're trying to do uh, just some good in the city. But instead of being afraid of all of that, let's get to work. And so Westside, my encouragement challenge to us is let's raise those funds. Uh, you see behind me uh, the projects and our Christmas fund, and this is one of the big ones we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're contributing to, uh, these winter care kits and uh, the socks. We've challenged our kids' ministry to bring in a 1,000 pairs of socks, uh, but I want to encourage all of us to help our kids do that. So whether that's you as a parent going and taking your kids, getting a couple of those big packages, wherever it is that you shop and bring them in, uh, or really for all of us, come in. Uh, you can find bins in our lobby or up in the kids' place if you're taking your kids up there. Uh, bring those in. Let's make sure we get a thousand socks out there. Uh, let's make sure we bring in this funding so that we can uh, just help with some essentials for people um, who need the essentials. And as the winter weather has come, to really make a difference and to get to work. Verse 6 in Haggai 2 says, For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, In just a little while, so we talked about back then, 
And now, what about just in a little while? In just a little while, while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the treasures of all nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken in just a little while. We heard in, you know, back then, back then the comparison, back then getting stuck in the past. Today, you got to surrender that. But here, God's voice comes to them and says, but in just a little while, if you can hang on. And then did he catch it? He says, the glory of this temple will be even greater than the glory of the last temple. It doesn't look like that now. It looks like it's too much of a challenge. It looks like the old one was too good and we'll never measure up to that. But something even better is coming than what was in the past. But it seems hard to believe right now when you're building and when it's hard, when you're tired and exhausted and when you're afraid. In just a little while, be patient because God is at work. We just talked about us being at work and doing uh, what we can with what we have. But here is what happens when we follow Jesus and when we uh, enter into the work that he's calling us to. He says, be patient because God is at work. And in just a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. We use a phrase similarly to that for big changes that happens. We got to shake things up. Even you might be in the corporate world, there might be a company and if things aren't going well and if profits are down, uh, you know, morale is low, all the rest of it. And someone in the company who's high up might look at the leadership and go, we got to shake things up. We got to put new people in place. We need uh, something fresh. We need something new. And that's what this term here means. It probably means that what God is telling them to expect is that some of those people who are opposing you, some of the powers that are in the world that are making life difficult and are making rebuilding uh, a huge challenge for you, I get that it's challenged, but in just a little while. Be patient because God is at work. He says, I am at work and I'm going to shake things up. And I know right now it seems so hard and it seems like you're never going to finish and you don't know where you're going to get your resources, but in just a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth for you. God says, hold on. Are you overwhelmed? You can't see a way out. You're feeling too weak. Trust me, hang in there. I will move heaven and earth for you in just a little while. I don't know how long just a little while is. Is it a day? Is it a month? Is it a few years? Hang on, trust me, in just a little while. And then we skip down to the end of the chapter. It says, look at what was happening to you. And this kind of brings everything together. Look what, look what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Think about the 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. He told them, just think about all the hardships you've been through. Think of how um, when you were working so hard, but you weren't benefiting, you were planting all this stuff and you were, you were hoping it would grow. It was your prosperity and nothing was happening and you weren't getting as much yield for your crops as you thought. You must have looked around and been so discouraged and asked, where is God and why isn't he doing anything? Then he says, I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. So he says, I'm going to give you a promise right now. Before you've seen any of my blessing, before you've seen any of the result, the yield of your crop, before you've seen anything good come out of your work, I'm going to give you a promise. 
He says, you've not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. So you still haven't seen the goodness you were hoping for. But from this day onward, I will bless you. He says, starting today, I know you felt like you'd been cursed. You were spread out in Babylon. You finally came back. You thought things were going to immediately get better and they haven't got better. And you've been working so hard and you haven't seen the results yet. But starting today, I want you to live in my blessing. Starting today, live in God's blessing. I told you before, um, the promises that are made here, these are promises to the people of Israel. They're not promises made to most of us. And yet, when we read in the New Testament, one of the things we read in the New Testament is that in Christ, all of the promises of God are given their yes and amen. They are all fulfilled. They are all given an even bigger fulfillment. And God is a God who loves to bless us. And he hasn't promised me any land. He hasn't promised me any fruit or any certain amount of crops. I can't claim any of that. And yet, I know when we read Scripture... We see the greatest blessings given to us, the presence of God mediated through Jesus, that we get to become people who build a spiritual temple together in his kingdom. So starting today, we can choose to live in God's blessing. And I think we can even live in God's blessing when we don't see all of God's blessing. We don't see it the way that we would have. So God says to them, back then you need to surrender the past. Right now you need to work instead of worry. In just a little while, be patient. God is at work. And starting today, live in God's blessing. I believe God wants to bless us. And if we have eyes to see, if we're willing to look and to see where God is blessing us, we'll find that even when it doesn't always feel like it, even when there's opposition, even when there's struggle, even if we don't see it, God makes us the promise that he blesses us even today. So as we finish today, I want to leave this blessing with you. It's a very common blessing that comes from Numbers chapter 6. Um, uh, that was given from the priest to the people of Israel. And today, as we close, I want to pronounce it upon you and us and for you to know uh, that it is available to you to live in God's blessing, his goodness projected into your life. And even if there is a lot of not so good things that you feel like have been projected into your life by your circumstances or other people to know that even starting today, we can trust and lean into God's blessing for us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God bring good into your life through his love and grace, giving you every good thing that you need. May he protect you from evil, discouragement, fear, and wrongdoing. May he watch over you wherever you go. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May God's face light up as he looks upon you. May he delight in and rejoice in you because he truly loves you. May God treat you better than you deserve in love, forgiveness, and provision. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May God give you his full, undistracted attention. And as you know that he is attentive to your condition, your needs, your very life, may he give you a presence and a peace that surpasses anything that you could understand. Let's pray. So our Heavenly Father, it is sometimes hard for us uh, to know and to believe that your blessing is upon us. And yet in Jesus, we see that all the things that you have promised all of your goodness, all of your love, all of your grace and forgiveness is available to us. I pray for those of us today who perhaps have come and we're discouraged, maybe fearful, maybe there's a lot of challenges ahead, maybe just the news cycle is getting us down. Would you, would you 
Help us to see you in all things, in our past, in our present, in the near future, and starting today, that you would help us to live in the blessing that you have given us, the blessing of your presence and in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.